You're listening to Carl and Kenner's Hitting the Bar for your weekly football news, for all of your football views, and yes, that football banter. One, a Tottenham supporter, the other, an Arsenal supporter, all here on Carl and Kenner's Hitting the Bar. Hello and welcome to episode 9 of the football podcast, Carl and Kenner's Hitting the Bar Football from Monocles to Man Buns. I'm Chris Carl and of course Steve Kenton is here, he's back from his travels and we're also joined by our regular guest Jeff Saunders. But first of all Steve, uh, welcome back to the fold fella. Oh thank you very much Oscar, I'm pretty sure you've missed me, I can tell, you know, I, I can just see delight on your face knowing that I am now back. Yes, yeah, we're, we're delighted to have you of course. Uh, you you missed some gentle ribbing of your favourite team, Arsenal, who we're going to come to uh, momentarily. But first of all, uh, they are involved in what I'm about to talk about, or we're about to talk about. The latest transfer news and rumours, I suppose the big news, first of all, is Griezmann. Yeah, Griezmann apparently has signed for Barcelona. Finally, yes. Or maybe he hasn't. The The Barcelona lawyer turned up at Spanish FA headquarters with a bag full of 107 million euros, which was his buyout fee, only it might not have been. Atletico Madrid are saying, well, actually, because you agreed the deal with him before the end of June when his buyout fee was cut from 120 to 100 million no you actually owe us more money therefore we don't know actually if he is or isn't but I think it's going to go through eventually just a matter of cash well it obviously is just a matter of cash isn't it because Atletico Madrid clearly need that 100 or 120 million or it'll probably be 110 by the time they finished because they've got to play pay 113 million for Joao Felix yeah, well, yeah, by the way. Uh, talking of splashing the cash and making big marquee signing transfers, where's it all going wrong, Steve, at Arsenal? I mean, not only are you not signing anybody, um, your players are going into hiding. I mean, your club captain refusing to go on tour. That is absolutely scandalous. What's happening? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to tell you a true story now. So I, I say it's a true story. There's a little slight embellishment here and there, but I was on my way back from Baku because, as you know, I left, well, it was about, about 20 minutes before kickoff, hoping to make it there on time. Arrived two weeks later in Baku, and obviously we got. Um, it was a, it was a very close game, you know, four-one hammering. What can I say? Anyway, making my way back from Baku, you know, I was kidnapped by by an Azerbaijani beggar. She was selling me into slavery. I was forced to knit yogurt. Managed to escape via a shopping trolley. Don't ask. I managed to get back to Malaga Airport, and who's standing there with my name on a board? Stan Kroenke. Stan Kroenke has approached me to go and play for Arsenal on the basis there is nobody else left on the planet who will sign for them. So basically sold into slavery again then? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. yeah. Absolutely, yeah. To be honest, I, I nearly did sign, but I just thought, no, I, I can't put myself through that. Yes, so, <laughs> so let's talk about your club captain, because obviously something very, very wrong there at the Emirates. There's been something very, very wrong there for the last several seasons, to be fair. We're losing players hand over fist. We've got no money. He's not supplying any money. He's not even giving the uh, giving Emery, Unai Emery, any money, any extra money other than 45 to 50 million. So nothing from the profits that Arsenal make. And they are substantial profits. It's getting absolutely nothing. He's not bankrolling the club. Now, this may have some sort of bearing on Koscielny's decision on the basis, well, if we're getting nobody in, what's the point in us, in, in me, staying? Well, that, I mean, you know, that's a little bit churlish and uh, unprofessional, in my opinion, on his part. He's the club captain, Jeff. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, have you ever heard of a club captain not turning up for the the pre-season tour? I mean, there are hints, or or his his people, if you like, are saying that there's an an injury concern, but you still go, don't you? You just don't play. To me, it's an extraordinary thing. The thing you're saying, Steve, about the money, two of the players that Arsenal are reputedly in for are Lucas Vasquez and Mariano Diaz at Real Madrid. Now, I'd never heard of them, and I'll bet that nobody listening to this has ever heard of them. They are Real Madrid squad players. So question number one is, why would Arsenal, who is, you know, Champions League contenders, why would they be wanting players who, who will never get anywhere near the first team at Real Madrid? Now, what, what are they doing in the Real Madrid squad? They are there because they count towards the quota for homegrown players for Real Madrid. Now, I wonder how many other, other clubs there are that have that. These are players we have, they're homegrown, so they count towards our quota, but we have no intention of ever playing them. So the question really is, why would a club like Arsenal, a big club, you know, European-level club, why are they in for two players like this? That's a really, really good question. Um, I'm wondering whether Arsenal would be doing the same thing, to be truthful. I mean, if you look at Arsenal's squad, some of the homegrown players shouldn't be anywhere near the first team squad as well I, I suspect like as you as you rightly said Jeff I think all, all clubs do this why Arsenal are going in for those two players those are an absolute mystery unless they can see something that, that we all can't but then you know little gems do turn up I mean who knew about Vieira and Petit before they arrived at Arsenal um, Arsene Wenger did and maybe you and I Emery know something well, possibly. I mean, for me, times have really changed. I mean, the tables have turned. Now, when you see in the newspaper, Arsenal and Spurs compete to sign ex-player. As a Tottenham fan, I give a little laugh going, well, he's ours then. Because he's gonna, because Tottenham are obviously in the Champions League and have money. Uh, things have changed, haven't they? You had to get your dig in early, didn't well, you? Did you wait. You just see what happens later on in the show. Well, oh dear, <laughs> it's coming, it's coming. And what what's happened about the the, the offer for... Zaha, what's happened with that? That's all gone very Zaha, quiet. Yeah, Steve, and what happened to Zaha? You were going to sign big signing for you. Zaha was overpriced. He's not a player that we need. He really is not a player that we need at Arsenal. Not while we've got the likes of Lacazette, Aubameyang, etc., etc. Even Ertzel. Ertzel's going nowhere. What is what is the point in having Zaha there? I mean, you know, what is he? Forty-five million or thereabouts. I, that's an absolute ridiculous figure for that player. I don't think that that player is a particularly great player either, but, I mean, you guys may disagree with me. Um, I, I, I very much disagree, yeah. If Juan Bissaka is, is well, Win Bissaka, sorry, yes. is worth 45 million, then Zaha is worth the 80 million that Palace want for him. Yeah, don't forget, Palace want 80, Steve, not Yeah, and, and Palace would have been relegated any year in the past five years without him. Yeah, you're right, it was 80 million, not 45. Apologies for the error there. It was my my my, my um, pricing of it. <laughs> that's Arsenal's pricing of everybody. It's but, to, to, but to be fair, I don't think that they're wrong. I don't think he's, he's not. A player is only worth what, whatever another club would give but is Zaha really worth 80 million come on really I, th- I think the question for Arsenal is is, is 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 Zaha worth 80 million in my opinion he is the question for Arsenal is is he 45 million better than Fraser from Bournemouth who they're who they will go to if they don't get Zaha and he's not 45 million better than Fraser no I, I completely agree with you Jeff he's definitely not I, I like Fraser I think Fraser's a very very good player I think he does a, a, an exceptional job he's functional and and to be honest he doesn't shirk either you know he's he's, he's a hard working player I think Zaha's 
committed Zaha can be quite lazy. Yeah, I'm, I'm not too fussed about that because if if you have your creative player, your, your Eden Hazard, if you like, then you can sort it out so that someone else does the, all the defensive work and stuff. The thing about Fraser, though, is he's he's top three in most of the attacking midfield player league tables. Number of number of uh, assists, number of key passes, defenders beaten in dribbles, etc. He's up there. He, he's up there just behind Hazard and actually well ahead of Zaha. But bear in mind, we wouldn't be in this position had we managed to keep Ramsey in the first place. You know, this, this is a problem of Arsenal's own making. Uh, to be truthful with you, I think now they've got to be looking at two different... Well, uh, we're going to talk about uh, Kieran Tierney, aren't we? Yes. You know, he's one defender who it looks almost certain that he's coming to Arsenal, but they still need another defender, probably another centre half. Um, because if Koscielny is out the door, okay, we're losing the what, a 32, 33-year-old centre-back experienced, although Cahill is available on a free. Well, you talk about Kieran Tierney. Celtic turned down Arsenal's original offer of £15 million, uh, as because they value him at 25 Now, according to this morning's papers, well, obviously, you know, the, the facts and the stories vary depending on who you read. According to uh, what we've looked at today, they've put in another bid for £25 million, have Arsenal. They're very confident, as Steve is, of signing him. Uh, but the lad was supposed to play uh, in a friendly game uh, but had to pull out due to an injury <laughs> how, how typically Arsenal is how that? very Arsenal when you do buy someone who's injured you do realise that is a prerequisite in any contract when, yeah. when a player comes to Arsenal you have to be half crippled it dates back to the 70s when Malcolm McDonald came to Arsenal he had a cartilage injury <laughs> They are. This must be an Arsenal thing. Now that just uh, talking about transfers, and we have got Jeff here, who's a West Ham fan. Uh, we spoke on the last show about uh, Alautovic, Marko Alautovic, putting in his second transfer request. He has now gone to China for the culture of the money the money the club i think were a little bit uh, cold in their uh, goodbye tweet uh, they they posted on twitter they tweeted uh, as they, as every club does when a player leaves uh, their farewell to him was anatovic has left the club full stop normally say we'd like to thank him for his service and wish him good luck in the future none of that with west ham you're out gone by forgotten yeah, and, and quite right too. He didn't cover himself with glory, did he? The way no, he behaved. Not. So so fine, yeah. And and good luck to him, and I hope he enjoys the money, and that's fantastic. Moving on, new era at West Ham. Uh, all right, listen, a few things have happened this week apart from these transfers. Uh, we're going to come back to a managerial possible change in a moment. But the great Peter Crouch, uh, one time, of course, of Tottenham, Stoke, Portsmouth, don't forget, had a great partnership with Jermaine Defoe. And we just talk about Peter Crouch brief, very briefly because we'd all like to say goodbye. I mean, he's a bit of a hero for all of us. He's somebody we all look up to. Mm. Um, but he's been a great player for all those clubs and for England. Don't forget, he scored some mm. fantastic goals. Uh, so, quick one-sentence tribute I, to the great Peter Yeah, Crouch. I mean, we, we, we loved Crouchinho. He was a great player, absolutely brilliant. Great feat for a big guy. And it will be big shoes to follow. I mean, he scored, you know, in international goals, 22 goals in 42 games. That's a really good return. Uh, and he's also, believe it or not, scored the most amount of headed goals in Premier League history. Pretty now, good. it's really strange with Crouch because... To be honest, he was always criticised for his heading ability. Ironically enough, he was always considered to be better on the ground. And obviously, he had this spectacular knack of scoring from bicycle kicks as well. Well, yes, we did uh, joke earlier before we came on the air, as it were, that it wasn't so much with him being so tall bicycle kicks as penny farthings. However, <laughs> however, all the tall jokes uh, to one side or up and down, whatever. Uh, well done, Peter Crouch. Enjoy your retirement. I'm sure we haven't seen the last of him. And... Uh, 
because we are a football podcast, do check out Peter Crouch's podcast uh, named That Peter Crouch Podcast. Uh, very natural, lots of insightful stories from his career. So check that one out. I'm sure he'll check ours out. Uh, Jeff, you got anything to say about Peter? I, I think he's always a very underrated player. And uh, I think he was, he was exceptional. I think he would have got more credit had he not been so tall because people yeah. focused on that rather than his skill and his ability. That's he a was, very good point. Yeah. He was better than people gave him credit for. Yes, because he kind of gangly and looked ungainly and so on, where in fact he was a very, very silky and skillful yeah. footballer. Uh, 38 years old, probably about the right time to retire yeah. at Burnley. So well on Peter Crouchy. We shall see you soon. Uh, now then, uh, before we move on, Jeff has got a trivia question. We will announce the answer at the end of the show. The reason we're going to ask this, we have asked it on social media. We've asked you not to post the answers. The question coming up now, the answer at the end. Jeff? Yeah, it was on our, our, our Facebook page earlier in the week. OK, on the first day of the 1975-76 season, Jerry Francis scored for QPR against Liverpool. Why is that goal famous and unique? All right, so Jerry Francis scoring against Liverpool opening day of the season. What's so special about that goal? In other news, um, once away French midfielder Paul Pogba, who we all know, you know, according to the papers, uh, wants to leave Manchester United. Solskjaer is trying to keep him there by offering him the captaincy. Now, Jeff, for me, he's many things of good and bad, but he's not a captain. He's not a leader of men, is he? Absolutely not. No or people, I should say. Well, but no, indeed. I mean, he's a very good midfield player. He's yeah. not worth 90 million, and you know, if his if his agent can go out and get him a fantastic deal with someone else, well, well good luck to him. But but crawling to him, oh, please stay, please be our captain. Oh, we'll make you our captain if you stay. Yeah, is, no, is, is ridiculous. It is, but, you know, Steve, what do you reckon? <laughs> Solskjaer can count himself really lucky. Unai Emery's gone crawling to Mustafi to make him captain and keep him at Arsenal. Everybody else is leaving. Mustafi's going to be the Mustafi. only one left there. Yeah. Mustafi is the one player you wanted to leave. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, things have really gone a little bit Pete Tong, haven't they, at Arsenal? Things have gone on down. I mean, you, everybody was Wenger out, Wenger out, but now it's everybody's leaving. Well, Never mind just Wenger. Oh, well, here's, here's an interesting stat. Now, we haven't won the league since 2005 so 14 years it will be 15 years to be honest I mean that is the second longest period in our history where we've gone between winning a title believe it or not well you know a little bit about the Arsenal history being a you know an Arsenal fan bless you <laughs> but I don't know why you're smiling got, there <laughs> <laughs> you have got, you have got um, a couple of facts for us about where they came from and mm. where they went to Arsenal and, and, what and where we're going to end up going as well. Yeah, where they're going, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do I, tell us, Steve, all about Arsenal. I can see the excitement in your face, Chris. Um, yeah, I mean, bearing in mind, folks, Chris is a Spurs supporter. Jeff is a West Ham supporter. And I'm going to take stick at the end of this. You are? Yes. No change there. Anyway, as you, you guys are probably aware and probably just about everybody else listening, Arsenal were formed as Dial Square in October 1886, changed their name a month later to Royal Arsenal because obviously, you know, we have regal connections. And if you believe that, I'll tell you another fairy yeah, story. Sure. Became Woolwich Arsenal in 1893 and then became the Arsenal in 1913, dropping the word the a few years later. Now, if that hasn't sent you to sleep already, the club has won 13 titles. Now, that's not bad game. That makes us the third in, in English history uh, behind Man United and Liverpool. I notice Spurs aren't really even in the top 10, are they, Chris? 
<laughs> this is history, though, isn't it? So. Yeah, yeah. This is history. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. We're going to be doing Spurs history next next time, and you know, there will be the quietest three minutes you've ever not heard. <laughs> anyway, moving on. We've also Arsenal have won thirteen FA Cups, so you know, it's a bit of a record there. Two League Cups, fifteen Community Shields. They don't count as a trophy. Let's be honest. No. So just 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 talk me through it again. Just this one little point as a Tottenham fan, and I think Jeff will join me on this. Arsenal started out in Plumstead in Kent then they moved to Woolwich and then they went to North London didn't they is that that is correct yeah well they see what it was they came from gypsy stock so they like to move around <laughs> hence their nickname as the Woolwich Wanderers yeah, yeah Wanderers. called by I uh, called the Woolwich Wanderers by at least two people and they're both in this room right now yeah, one of whom whose club was formed on marshland this is true we've been thinking ever since however you were in Plumstead Woolwich North London the next season the championship if you've ever well no I'm not <laughs> going to make this next joke because I'm going to get myself shot otherwise do it, do it. no <laughs> only because you don't want me doing the Tottenham history next time but no we've won the double three times as, as you well know went a record 49 games unbeaten no no that record there 49 games unbeaten man city haven't achieved that or managed to buy their way to that record yet that is true they almost did it uh, in recent times so that's your arsenal mm. uh, any arsenal fans listening in if that hasn't oh. put you off i don't know what will there, there there is one more point i'd like to make here to to my spurs and west ham supporting colleagues arsenal yeah. according to sport market have an estimated worldwide fan base Wait for it, 113 million people. But this is estimated by the same people who estimate the amount of the crowd at the Emirates as well. Yeah. <laughs> estimated by the same people. Yeah, so okay. actually it's 38, isn't it? Well, yeah, <laughs> and they're all pretty quiet, to be fair. Yes. All right, that's your arsenal for you. Uh, we'll have Spurs possibly next time out. God, I hope not. Now then, guys, um, we've had, we've discussed this off air, uh, but we are going to risk it. We're going to have, uh, as we do on this show, combined 16s. We've had Tottenham and Arsenal combined 16 since 1975, because that's as far back as any of us can remember. Uh, we're going to look at an all-time Netherlands team. Now, I know that uh, Steve and Jeff, few contentious opinions on this one. I think there are a couple of players that you don't agree with. We're going to start, though, Steve, with a goalkeeper. Uh, mm. Just explain exactly what we're going to be doing. We're going to be having a round, no doubt. We're just going to look at the best 16 players or the most functional 16 players that we can assemble since 1975 that would make up what we think would be potentially a world-beating Netherlands side or any other side as we go, obviously, through various shows. So um, so in goal, you know, we've got Van Beveren, we've got Youngblood, we've got Van der Sar, Westerveld or De Hoy, for, for example. You know, um, I know you and I have discussed off-air uh, in the past, Jeff, about uh, Van der Sar being the yeah. top Dutch Van, keeper. Van der Sar is the best, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll go along with that. Although Van Beveren was a brilliant keeper. Yeah, but Van der Sar was the best. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> but that that's... On what basis is he the best? Oh, he was... Uh, I think he was an excellent goalkeeper. He was a great shot stopper. He was... He's he's dom- was dominant in his penalty area. He, he made very, very few mistakes. His defenders trusted him. He, he was their best goalkeeper. I can't argue with that, really. I was looking at Yang Youngblood. I mean, Yang Youngblood appeared at two World Cups, but he hmm. he was probably the weak link, to be fair, in in both of those Dutch uh, Dutch squads. Although he was a superb sweeper keeper. Yeah, but it's it's kind of, the Netherlands are, are are kind of like Brazil in that respect. You know that you know that the guy who goes in goal was the worst outfield player. You know, 
It's not something that they, they were famous for, was it? Yeah, that's true. But Youngblood wasn't the worst outfield player to touch. Had. He was a really, really skillful player for a goalkeeper. Well, yeah, I, I, I stick with Van der Sar. You can, yeah. you can have Youngblood yeah, on, yeah, on the no, bench we, if you want. No, we, we go with Van der Sar. I think you're absolutely right. Defenders, I mean, Rudy Kroll's got to be first on the list. Rudy Kroll, Koeman, yep. that's, that's your centre-backs. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Crikey, we're agreeing on something here, Jeff. This right, is, this is right unusual. Reitiger, let's fall back. Reisiger, mm. really? You wouldn't, you wouldn't go with uh, De Boer? It's a good shout. I, I, I'm not. I'm not massively keen on on Reitiger. If, mm. if you make a make case for someone else, I'll, I'll give in. I do yeah. like Van Bronckhorst at left back, though. Yeah, I, I gotta say, I, I I didn't really consider Van Bronckhorst, but he was a he was a bit of a bit of an unsung hero, really. Very much so. Yeah. You know, he, he was great for Arsenal. Well, when Barcelona won the league and their 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 first European Cup, was it? Yeah. He played in every single game. Yeah. That season, he's a brilliant player. But then we have got players such as you know for fullbacks. You know, we've got Serbia and Jansen, both played at fullback. Yeah. Both very good yeah, shots. I, yeah. I always thought Serbia was one of the best attacking fullbacks mm, in the world yeah. at the time. Yeah. So I have him know. instead of Reitiger then. Okay. So we so we go with Serbia. And what, uh, De Boer or Van Bronckhorst? I'd go for Van Bronckhorst. Okay, let's go with that. that. Yeah, yeah, we can do that. I think I think that's uh, that's a pretty good shout. Okay, across the midfield. Nayskins. Nayskins. Yeah, every time. I'm, yep. I, I, it, I mean, what are we, we going to go with here? 4 3 3 or? Yeah, 4 3 3. 4 3 3. So, okay, Na- Nayskins, Van Hannigan. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and if, if anyone listening has never heard of Van Hannigan, go and look him up. Yeah, just the most brilliant left-footed midfield yeah, player. Yeah, completely one-footed, yeah, wasn't he? Completely. And I'm gonna go with Willy van der Kerkhoff. Yeah, well, you know. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think you, I think you should go with him. You should go a long way away from a football stadium. But you but need somebody who can win the ball. That's what Nayskins does. Yeah, no, but Nayskins was so much more skillful than than van der Kerkhoff on the ball. Oh, yeah. Actually, so I, was my granny. Oh, come off it. My gran is very good at football. Yeah, don't don't what position my did she gran- play? She played outside right, and she was much better than Willie van der Kerkhoff or his brother, René. Oh, I'll give you René, but Willie was a decent player. He is a decent player, but he shouldn't be in the best Dutch side ever. Oh, I disagree with no, that. No, there's so many good players. Rensenbrink? Oh, yeah, now I've got Rensenbrink as a front as, a, okay, as, a, yeah. as an attacker, though. Yeah, wide attacker, yeah. Go. Yeah, I mean, but I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, call, I'm calling van der Kerkhoff on this one. I don't know. He's better. Than, sure, you reckon sure. he's better than Davids or Sadov? Yes. Koku? Yeah. Really? Really. I'd say. Well, let's reserve judgment on him for now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Moving forward. Let's go forwards. Cruyff. <coughs> Definitely. Yeah. Van Basten. Yeah. Yeah. Which leaves one other space now. No, because we had Rensenbrink wide forward. That leaves no other space. No other space. But then we're we're, we're going to be putting Burkamp on the bench. Then you know that. Yes. Right. Okay. Lovely. Right. And we're leaving out Rep, Rene van der Kerkhoff, Ruud Heels, Willy van der Kuylen and, pa- and Pat Cliver. And Ruud Hullet. Oh, do you know what? I never rated Ruud Hullet as highly really? as... as Not as highly as some of these players <laughs> we've, we've mentioned. No. Ruud, he was Ruud a great Hullet's player, but I don't think player. he was... You know, he wasn't in the same ballpark as the likes of Bergkamp, Renson Brink, Van Basten and Cruyff. No way. He was, wasn't in the same same league as Nayskins, Van Basten and Cruyff. No. But in in the le- the level immediately below, yeah, he definitely was. Mm. What are we going to do about Willy van der Kerkhoff? Are we going to have him in there, or are we going to go? <laughs> he, he he can drive the coach. <laughs> what about Aaron Winter? No, not not in this. You in, you won't call it. Yeah. All right, well, then well, Hullet's got to drop back into midfield, doesn't he? So um, he plays left for it. No, 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 no. I think Hullet, Hullet should be on the bench. In 
in in this in this team where you're saying the very best, the eleven yeah. best Dutch players ever, Hullet is not in that team. Right. So he's on the bench though. So in that case you've either got Van der Kerkhoff, David, Hahn. Hahn. Hmm. He won the European Cup three times. Hmm. Great player, Hahn. Yeah, I have got to say Eri Hahn was a brilliant, brilliant player. Yeah, he's got to go in. Okay. Yeah. So especially as as we got crawl at the back because they did play so yeah, well together. Yeah, they did actually and, and yeah, no, I, I completely agree. So, a starting Serbia. Yeah. Van Bronckhorst, surprisingly. Kroll and Koeman yep. at the back. Three across the midfield being Ari Hahn, Johan Neiskins, and Wim van Hanegem. Yeah. Up front, Cruyff, Van Basten, and Rensenbrink. They pick themselves. They do. And then I suppose on the bench, maybe Van Beveren, De Boer, Van de Kerkhoff, Robin. Robin, yeah. Definitely I'm, on the bench. I am yeah. Robin. And possibly Willy van der Kylen. Mm, I'll, I'll take your word for it. But oh, he's a brilliant, absolutely brilliant striker. Absolutely brilliant striker. He retired from international football far too early as well. Uh, well, lo- lots of them did. So, there we go. That's it. Okay. So, shall we read it so out? So, read, read out the team for us there. What, what have you got there? Okay. In goal, Van der Sar. Full backs of Serbia and Van Veronkost. Centre halves of Kroll and Koeman. Across the midfield. Eri Hahn, Johan Neiskins and Wim van Hannigan. Up front, Johan Cruyff, Van Basten, Marco Van Basten and Robbie Rensenbrink. While on the bench, we've got Jan van Beveren, we've got De Boer, we have Robin, we have Hullet and we have Willy van der Kuylen. Fantastic. And if you think, well, that is our Dutch combined, Netherlands combined uh, 16. If you think uh, you can do better, we'd be inclined to agree with you. Uh, right, let's move on. Uh, since the Who last paid ep- you for that joke? <laughs> well, I certainly didn't pay for it. Listen, since the last time we uh, ha- we released an episode of Carl and Kenner sitting in the bar, there's been a World Cup final, what is known as the Women's World Cup, an absolutely fantastic tournament. We spoke about it in the last episode. Mm-hmm. Jeff and I, Steve sadly wasn't here, but what a great tournament. USA run away winners deservedly deservedly so far better than their men's team um, brilliant and although paid 20 you know 75 percent less than the men but that's another issue to be fair jeff's granny on her own is better than the usa men's team yeah they're not great but that's another that is a story for another day but the, the story here of course is just how brilliant the usa were four times world champions now brilliant brilliant sports people great ambassadors for the country it's been, it's been a fascinating tournament in the uk alone 12 million people tuned in to watch the semi-finals the semi-finals I don't have the statistics for the uh, for the, the game on the Sunday the World Cup final but it was many more than that an absolute record for a sporting event on British TV so well done to all the women who took part full stadiums great level of football and uh, more more power to them I say because I think it's, it's brilliant for sport in general your impressions guys Women's World Cup in, um USA, now I could be wrong, in, in, and you might want to correct me on this, Jeff, but I think football, soccer or football in the US is the top sport played by women anyway, isn't it? Yes, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, you know, you, you can expect them to be a, a really good level anyway, uh, and they are. I mean, it was a great tournament. It was a good advert for football, actually. Yes. It was. The, I mean, Chris and I watched some of the matches in the, in our bar in El Soccer, and the quality of the football was really, really good. There, 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 there was a point where you stopped thinking about it being 
a women's football match. It was mm. just a football match, and you, it, and it was really good. Do you, do you think? And, and it's not a criticism; it's just an observation. Do you think if the pitches were maybe slightly narrower, it would have made an even better spectacle than what it was? I think the pitches should be narrower and not quite as long. Mm. Yeah, I, but for exactly the same reason, if you watch youth football on mm. a full-size football pitch, it, you get exactly the same feeling. There's just too much space there. Yeah, and it, it's the compression that that makes it such an interesting game. And mm. and you watch. Watch a Premier League match or a, a, a men's international match and it, everything is more compressed. Yeah. The defence compresses the width to half half the width of the pitch. And it's it's your ability to, to control and react in that small amount of space that makes it so good. I, I have a question. Combining women's football and men's football, so you have can't obviously have an equal number, but say six of, of one particular gender, five of another. Could that ever happen and could that ever work? Well, I mean, it could happen if someone's going to make it happen and the key to it, someone making it happen is going to be having having enough money to do it. I mean, it's, you know, we live in a commercial world. It'll happen if, if there's money in it money to be made by someone I mean to be honest with you half those USA players I'd take at Arsenal all day long well yeah yeah, they're, they're probably better than those the Vasquez and Diaz from the bench at the Real Madrid yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> Mustafi at Arsenal who's, well, who's already there yeah there was also um, um, I forget I think it was Walker a winger for uh, the England team mm. who I'd have definitely had at Tottenham so a lot of talent on display a great advert for women's football and for the sport in general I think I agree with mm. what you guys said it wasn't watching women's football it was watching football in the end and mm. that, that makes it important uh, Megan Rapinoe of course the captain uh, top scorer golden boot golden goal become a bit of a celebrity love what she's saying in public I um, think she's a great advert for the game check her out on Twitter and all that a really good role model Absolutely. Really role model. Absolutely, yeah. So, you know, check out Megan Rapinoe. She's got a lot to say. And uh, she's a brilliant, brilliant sports person as well. So, well done. I don't like the way they call it the Ladies' World Cup or Ladies' Football. Mm. Uh, you don't call it the Gentlemen's World Cup. Well, in that case, hardly any of them would be allowed to go, would they? <laughs> people like people like Diego Costa would be banned. Uh, talking <laughs> to which, there is rumours, Jeff, that he's going to West Ham. Well, uh, I mean, there are also rumours that he's going to Everton. So, I think his agent's been, been uh, um, very productive there for him. I'd like him to go to West Ham and he's one of these players that you hate if he's playing against you and centre-backs hate him and that's why I'd like him to come. You, I, I love centre-forwards who the first thing they do on the pitch is they go up and they, they barge into the central defender and just nudge him and needle him and say, right, you follow me around because that creates space for the others and I think he'll, he'd score, he'll score 20 goals. In the, in the in the Premier League season, so every team should want him. Absolutely brilliant, thank you, uh, Jeff. Now that we're past running out of time here, guys, but let's just move on to another couple of issues. First of all, um, Steve Bruce is in the running. By the time uh, you're listening to this, there in the future, you might know. Uh, but Steve Bruce is in the running, according to the papers, to get the, the Newcastle job, Newcastle United job, uh, vacated by Rafa Benitez, who's gone to China. Um, again, for the culture, is it? It's not. A st- is, this is not a statement of intent from uh, Mike Ashley, unless the intent is uh, not to do well. With all due respect to Steve Bruce, Rafa Benitez to Steve Bruce, old school a little bit. Not a step up, or is it? No, it's not a step up at all. I mean, Rafa Benitez is is one of the, you know, one of the the top managers, coaches in in European football, no question. And Steve Bruce, well, isn't. It's funny when we talk about managers and bygone eras because it's only, you know, maybe six or seven years ago we were lauding Steve Bruce as being a really, really decent manager. And he is a decent manager. Let's let's not 
you know, be unfair. Let's not be unfair about him. He is a decent manager, but he's of a certain era now, and we've moved forward from that. Indeed. You know, in the same way, Sam Allardyce did a particular job, did a very, very good job. You know, it, it's funny that we, we look at these managers now that are still around, but are just not able to cope with the evolving game. Well, I mean, you mentioned Sam Allardyce, but in, in the papers this week, he was saying that, that he had been sort of approached on a would-you-be-interested basis for the Newcastle job, and he said, no, I wouldn't. So it's quite clear that Ashley's thinking is is backwards. Yeah, so so what, what is the level of Newcastle's ambition here? Because, you know, they joke around here. They're, they are a, a well-supported big club in the northeast. You know, they've got a lovely history, great great history they've got great fans they deserve better than what they're getting and Mike Ashley is certainly not delivering in my opinion as a chairman you know I, I think he's playing games a little bit here with, with Newcastle or maybe that's being unfair on Mike Ashley but no I don't think it's being un- unfair on Mike Ashley but I, I've said this before on the radio show I've said it here on the podcast before the owners are not interested in winning things mm. anymore the owners are interested in making profit the only thing that interests Mike Ashley is that he stays in the Premier League where the big money is winning it is irrelevant the cost of winning it is too high absolutely uh, so listen we're gonna have a little look see what happens to Newcastle uh, they are one of my tips to go down this season you mentioned Steve that they got some great players I presume you're referring to the past rather than the present squad yeah yeah I don't believe, yeah I mean they're currently not doing uh, not looking like a great team where do you think before we wrap up the show you weren't here last week where do you, we talked about Newcastle we talked about what Jeff calls the the Everton Cup or the Vars <laughs> Arsenal are a contender for that aren't they along with Man United Wolves possibly Leicester yeah um, and possibly even West Ham because they're not going to get into the top four, or are they? Steve, wrap it up. No, no, they're not. I, I think they're going to struggle for top six, let alone top four. I, I really think, and, you know, I love my Arsenal, but we have to be realistic here. They're, they're looking at, I reckon, possibly sixth or seventh place this yeah. season. Yeah. I can't, you know, they might get to Europa League final. Yes. Potentially. I think that's a possibility. It but is. Again, well, look what happened last time. All right. Uh, <laughs> they did it once. They can do it again. <laughs> Before we go, a couple of items. First of all, Jeff asked, uh, Jeff Saunders, West Ham fan here on Colin Kenner's podcast, asked a trivia question at the top of the show. Uh, let's hear the question and the answer this time. Right. Okay. On the opening day of the 1975-76 season, Jerry Francis scored for Queen's Park Rangers in their 2-0 victory against Liverpool. Why was that goal special? Was the question. All right. So what is the answer? It won goal of the season. There we are. Scored on the opening day of the season. 38 games later, nine months later, that goal was goal of the season. 42 games later. Oh, 42 games in those days. Yeah, whatever it was, 40-odd other games were Back played. in the days when footballers really had to work. Absolutely. Uh, so there we are. Uh, before we go, sad news did re- reach us this week uh, about the passing of Vinnie Jones, ex-footballer. Uh, his wife passed this week, Steve. Just a few mm. details about that. Yeah, uh, sad, sad loss. I mean, uh, you know, she had a heart transplant at 21 years old and yeah, had two bouts of cancer, two different forms of cancer, actually. So uh, we'd just like to pay tribute on the show to to uh, Tanya Jones. Uh, it's very sad loss, and we wish Vinny and his family all the very best. Absolutely, Vinny, to you and your family, lots of love from us here. That is all we have time for. Uh, this has been yet another edition of Carl and Kenner's Hitting the Bar. Football from Monocles to Man Buns. Thank you to Steve Kenton. Thank you, boss. And thank you to Jeff Saunders. You're welcome, Chris. Thank you. Thank you very much. Catch us next time. I'm Chris Carl. Thank you for listening. You're listening to Carl and Kenner's 
Hitting the Bar for your weekly football news, for all of your football views, and yes, that football banter. One a Tottenham supporter, the other an Arsenal supporter, all here on Carl and Kenner's Hitting the Bar.